You are listening to The Whole Half with Anna the Holy Banana. My goal is to keep it real by sharing it all and holding space for others to do the same. So today I have my friend Maddie on the podcast, which is an honor because I love Maddie. (laughs) So I'm honored that she was able to give me some of her time to come on and chat about what she does. So um, I met Maddie through Instagram. She's one of those friends that I'm super grateful for Instagram for because without it, I would never have met her. Um, She is a godsend to say the least. She was the leader of a class that I did, a course, online course that she taught last April. It was April, I think. I think, yeah, she's nodding her head, so I'm going to go with it. (laughs) Um, But I joined her first ever cohort of Grow Upward. Um, It's a course all about healing childhood trauma. Um, And that doesn't necessarily mean that you had a bad household growing up. And she'll talk more a little bit about that in our conversation. But um, she is just so incredibly informed in this area and she was such an inspiration and it really kickstarted a long journey of healing for me in so many ways. Um, a year later, I barely recognized myself. So needless to say, I'm extremely thankful for Maddie. Um, she also is a virtual yoga instructor. We have that in common. Um, I was taking her virtual yoga classes for a while during COVID and yeah, I just love her in every way. <laughs> um, so I, would love to introduce Maddie to you so that she can introduce herself a little bit more. So Maddie, welcome. Thank you for being here. I'd love for you to share a little bit more about you, what makes you you, um, and then we'll get into the good stuff about what Grow Upward is and why you are so passionate about it. Yay, thank you for the wonderful introduction. I hope to return the favor one day and be able to do a lovely intro like that to um, everybody that's listening to me. Uh, <laughs> um you you covered a lot I um I grew up in Virginia Beach on the east coast uh I had what on the outside would look like a very happy household but um on the inside it was it was tough I had two um parents that struggled with alcoholism and I just had a lot of anxiety growing up because there was so much uncertainty and I really uh carry that with me throughout the rest of my life and was really confused around why I was so hypervigilant and why I was so worried all the time and sensitive. I feel like I was the most sensitive uh, person that I knew. And I wanted to get to the bottom of it, but I just didn't know how. And I found yoga um, when I was in high school. I started to get into it a little bit more when I was in college after a breakup really needed a lot of support at that time. And then I graduated, worked a year in a hospitality job, uh, managing a restaurant that just kicked my butt. And I decided to move to Australia for a year uh, just to run away and kind of find myself a little bit of eat, pray, love vibe, but not, not completely. Reading that book. (laughs) I just needed, I needed something different. I needed to go somewhere where I didn't know anybody. I needed to go somewhere that uh, was going to allow me to find out what I cared about and, and who I was. 
uh, after that year, after my visa expired, I went to India and got my 200 hour yoga teacher training without the uh, intention to actually teach yoga. Uh, moved to New York City after that and was a school teacher. And then I really realized that I could actually make a living teaching yoga. I was using it with my little ones and teaching on the side uh, in, in studios, but I realized that I could really make it work uh, full time. So I made the switch, uh, did well eventually, but it was pretty tough in the beginning there. There are like a thousand yoga teachers on every block in New York City. And then once I started to get a hang of things, Anna, this thing called COVID happened and <laughs> everything shut down. So I had to completely pivot, uh, went virtual and then created Grow Upward, which is yeah, how I met you. It's something that I'm uber passionate about. In the, the five years that I lived in New York, I started to go to therapy. I started to go to Al-Anon meetings, which are uh, meetings for those that are affected by alcoholism. I really started to work on myself. I opened up and I think that through that work, I was then able to find the love of my life and start to teach others how to uh, really open up and, and do that inner work as well. Um, so yeah, Grow Upward happened. There have been five cohorts now um, in the past year. I told you she's the coolest. She's literally the coolest. You yeah. have to know this lady. <laughs> I think there's like four, 30, 35 or 40 women that have passed through the program. Um, a lot of them choose to, like you, stay in the community um, in the form of our Onward community where we meet twice monthly. And um, I'm just, I I'm so happy, just like you've spoken a lot about with Holy You and, and teaching yoga as well. It feels like your purpose. It feels like what you're meant to do in life. And that is exactly how I feel. Um, I'm going back to school to get my master's in um, marriage and family therapy. Oh my gosh, this is news to me, everyone. I didn't know this. This is exciting. <laughs> I just <laughs> have to, I have to learn more. I'm so hungry for this information. And I've done it all um, informally through my own reading and research and, and obviously my own experiences and, you know, almost a decade in therapy. But now I really want to kind of formalize it. And, uh, and I think a, a master's program is the best option for that. So, yeah, I think that's me. <laughs> I'm over here with pom-poms cheering you on because <laughs> that's amazing. And I'm so excited to hear that you're going to do amazing at that. Um, just from the work that we've done. Yeah. You're going to thrive. <laughs> it is what you're meant to be doing for sure. So I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cool to finally find your passion. I don't know about you, but I changed my major five times in college, graduated with uh, business management, which yeah, not, not using that necessarily. I guess I am managing my own business, but uh, a lot of people thought that I was going to go into like some corporate job and I, I never did school teacher, restaurant manager, um, and yeah, yoga teacher. And now odd entrepreneur with like, an <laughs> not at all odd, but absolutely entrepreneur. <laughs> so, well, that's a very inspiring story. Um, and just sitting here listening, I just, I love hearing other people's stories because we don't talk about them enough. We talk about the weather too much. We talk about what we ate for breakfast too much. And we don't talk enough about where we've come from because I think if we opened up about that more, there would be much, in a weird way, there would be much less need for what you do. <laughs> Not that I want to eradicate what you do and how good you are at it, but 
there's just, if there was so much more connection and um, yeah, connection from sharing and just being open and vulnerable, I don't feel like people would carry with them so much pain that we do nowadays. Amen, Anna. That is, that is so, so true. And that's one of my, you know, one of the principles that I live by is, is just sharing and getting it out there and talking and finding support systems. Like it's, it's so important. Yeah, it's very important. So thank you for that intro. That was very, very inspiring. Um, I guess getting into the meat of what this podcast is. So you shared a little bit about why you came in to grow upward. Um, but I guess, how did you decide that it was a course like that was the decision for you? You wanted to share it in that way. I guess COVID had a, probably a big thing to do with it, but, um, how did you come to that realization of, of this is what I'm supposed to be doing? And this is where I need to put my energy, even on the bad days when there were no's and lots of ignored messages, outreach. How, how did you work through that? Oh, that's, yeah, that's a really, really deep question. Um, my heart's beating really quickly. Just <laughs> breathe. That. You can take a second and think you can breathe. <laughs> so I think that I've, the reason why I, why I created it in the first place was truly because I felt like I had stayed quiet long enough. Um, growing up again, the outside was beautiful. Mom and dad together, uh, you know, we were, we were very comfortable and um, I just felt like I had to be perfect all the time and I couldn't let anyone in on this like dirty little secret that my family had. Even my um, aunts and uncles and grandparents, but we were all unbelievably close, uh, you know, lived 15 minutes away from each other and were together all the time. I didn't even feel comfortable talking to them about it. And everyone just thought that we were okay. And I woke up every morning having to ignore what had transpired the evening prior. Um, you know, glasses breaking, cabinets being slammed, yelling, um, even even the police arriving at my front door in the seventh grade at like 2 a.m. I had to act like none of it existed. I had to ignore it and and wake up and just keep on going forward, go to school, get straight A's, do my best. So at 20. I think I was 28. Yeah. When I started Grow Upward, I was kind of just like fed up with acting like everything was fine. I was just done. I mm-hmm. really wanted, <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to just like open up and be like, Hey, my child wasn't perfect. <laughs> and it sucked actually. And it killed me inside. <laughs> and like, there were lots of good moments and I, and I'm very fortunate to have had a, a you know, a beautiful home and, um, lots of lots of happy moments, but it wasn't all great. And I just wanted the opportunity to say that and to maybe make someone else feel slightly more um, heard, validated and uh, comfortable to do the same to just open up. So that's where uh, the, the program originated. And then I mean, Lord, the question that you asked about, like, how do I keep going after all of the, the trials and um, people saying like, it's not for me. And people saying like, why should I invest in that? Like I have bigger fish to fry rent, uh, you know, childcare, uh, getting food on the table. That is one of the, one of the toughest things. Like, is this worth it? Is healing your inner child is learning about attachment theory and, and digging up all of this stuff that we've buried so deep. Is it worth it when, you know, we have, food, shelter, and clothing to worry about. And 
what my answer is and what I try to convey to uh, to people that are considering doing this work is that it will pay back in you know just crazy magnitude. Like it, it will it will constantly be impacting your life in a thousand ways that you're not even aware of. It will change your relationships. It will change the way that you that you look at yourself. It will change the way that you uh, engage in your job with your coworkers. And it will wildly impact the way that even you look at, you know, basic necessities like food, shelter, and water. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just, I think that this is one of the biggest, I don't want to say pandemics because we're obviously going through a pandemic, but this is a huge problem in our, in our world, intergenerational trauma that is constantly buried and just passed on to the next generation. And it's like, oh, this is it. This is what we have to deal with. And it's, it's actually something that we can heal and that we can move past um, so that we Absolutely. do not the future generations. Yeah, it's not, there's this, uh, I mention her all the time because she's super awesome, <laughs> but her name is Dr. Haley Schaff. And yeah. she always says she's more of like health focused, but um, oh my gosh, I had it. And then I just went away. <laughs> Don't you love when that happens? It was so inspirational too. It's a Friday. Ugh, I'll remember it. Sorry, guys. It was super inspirational. Stay tuned because I'm going to drop it like 20 minutes later in the podcast episode when it's not relevant. But yeah, it's Friday. I started my new job this week. So anyway, um, that's amazing. Thank you for that answer. I think that will really help people um, in really seeing the value in it because there really is value in it. I went through it myself and I started that course with a completely different intention. Let me just say that. Um, and I've grown in ways in the last a little over 12 months that I never would have expected. I had to face things in my life that I never would have expected, but it's because I opened myself to, to what was really going on. And I wasn't, I wasn't truly seeing who I was. I was just seeing myself as a reflection of the environments that I was in. And it's so hard to be true to yourself and I think that's why I've gone down the road of um, starting holy you and and aligning with your true self it's not so much along the lines of healing childhood trauma but it's more of all right you're here you're lost now how the heck do you get back to yourself Um, because that's that was where I came from I I always felt this like displacement in my life I I always felt like I wasn't where I belonged um, but after this course and, and so many years of doing the work, like you said, you just got to invest and do the work and in time it pays off, definitely pays off because I'm in a much better spot now. Um, wasn't always easy getting here, but it, I'm in a much better spot. So, yes. um, yeah. So like I said, in the intro, there are definitely situations where you grow up in a household where everything is fine. And when I say fine, like you grew up in a healthy household, you have parents that are present and um, they nurture you and your necessity, your needs in growing up. And I guess um, because your course isn't just for those who are, who are technically broken, um, mm-hmm. broken, but still whole, right? A bone breaks and it's still a whole bone. You just have to heal it and bring it back together. But um, how do you, how would you say that it applies to those people who are like, well, I had a fine childhood, but where then do you find the work needing to be done in those people? Great question. Yeah. I mean, 
that's one of, again, the most common questions that I have on, on get to know you calls where I'm kind of uh, seeing if someone's a good fit for the program and if I'm a good fit for them. And that's a, that's a really popular defense mechanism. My childhood was great. My parents are great. I love my mom. Um, and I'm always like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's all fine and dandy. Like I love my mom and my childhood was actually quite lovely. Um, not perfect, but lovely. And what I, what I try to expose to them is that there are such things as less than ideal childhood, but not a traumatic, um, chaotic, you know, uh, addiction riddled or, um, you know, very, very severe trauma that we all think of when we think of like a, a horrible childhood. It doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be like something that you would like see in a movie. It can be just less than ideal. Less than ideal can look like, Anna, um, uh, two working parents. That's that's so common and it and it should it should be common. Two parents should be able to go to work. But that often means that there is a lot of um outside help, a lot of a lot of childcare, a lot of maybe nannying, and that is unfortunately less than ideal and there needs to be a lot of other structures in place that make the child feel heard seen and loved from the parent from the original caregiver so that's something that is so common especially for our generation um you know both parents or um you know if if it's a single parent household having to go to work and that is less than ideal because the bond of 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 parent or caregiver and child is not uh, given as big of an opportunity to get strong, right? Um, less than ideal childhood can also look like uh, a parent that is going through their own trauma, a parent that is struggling with uh, depression, anxiety, um, their own childhood trauma from maybe maybe their parent was um, struggling with addiction or something and they carried it with them and then they had children and they're passing it on to them because they haven't worked through it themselves. Even if that parent is not an addict, is not struggling with what their parent struggled with, you're still going through it on your own. And that is a less than ideal environment for a child to grow up in because they can, a child absorbs everything. A child sees that their parent is struggling, even if the parent tries to hide it. So those are just two of the most common examples of, uh, of ways that we can kind of say like my childhood was fine. My mom and dad, my, you know, my, my parents, my grandparents were great. It can still be less than ideal. And that can create what we call insecure attachment. At the, at the onset, you know, baby comes home from, from the birthing place and attachment starts to begin bonding. And when there are little disruptions, there is insecure attachment that is created and insecure attachment can lead to anxiety. It can lead to low self-worth, perfectionism, hypervigilance, lots of, lots of symptoms or characteristics that we grow up in, you know, into adulthood. And we're like, oh, this is just the way it is. I'm just like this. When actually you can enter relationships and not worry that your partner is going to leave you. You can enter a work environment and not think that you are a worthless piece of crap that, you know, that no one values. Those are all symptoms, mostly mm -hmm. of insecure attachment from in, uh, an early childhood environment that was less than ideal. And it doesn't even have to be in the home life. It can also be in schools. It can be just societal. 
um, you know, the world that we grow up in is tough. And sometimes that makes a really big impact on a child at a very young age. Yeah, you know, for sure. That later in life. Yeah. The environment <laughs> is so, and yeah, like you said, it doesn't have to be the home environment. It could be school or work or community. Yeah. Yeah. There's totally. a lot more there. Yeah. Sports teams. <laughs> I think that's a big one too. Definitely. Yeah. Like you have yeah. a coach that like is on your case all the time and even teammates, you know, like the, the like brutality of like locker rooms and stuff growing up, like that's no fun <laughs> being benched and, and things like that. And sometimes it, sometimes it's truly just innate. It's, it's nurture. It's, it's uh, nature rather, as opposed to nurture. It's just the way that, that one is you, maybe you just have a hard time attaching securely and, and you're, and you're constantly feeling like you're in that insecure space and you haven't found out why yet, but you feel it, that's still a reason to do the work. Even if you can't pinpoint to the origin of the trauma or of the um, you know, less than ideal part of childhood, if you feel those symptoms, still yeah. do the work, it's still worth it. So in that you mentioned um, insecure attachment. So I know that this is something that we talked a lot about in the course. So don't I guess don't go into each one too much because I don't want you to be talking the rest of the evening (laughs) um I know that you have better things to do so I was just wondering if you could share with our listeners the types of attachment that there are Um, I know for example I have anxious avoidant attachment tendencies which means that if I'm triggered or activated um, in a situation I either a, I'm like super hyper-focused on the situation and super, super worried um, about fixing it because I like won't be settled until I, I do, or I just completely, I, it's almost like there's a phase I go through where it's like, I shut down first, I'm avoidant first, where I just completely shut down and go silent. And then I go into my anxious cycle where it's like, okay, I shut down, just go away from me. Like, I don't want to deal And then I go into the anxious of like, oh my gosh, like if I don't deal with this, like it's going to, and it just snowballs. So um, I went into it exactly how I just told you that you wouldn't be going into it. (laughs) Anyway, um, I guess if you could share like what, what are the attachment styles there are that exist? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel you, we could talk about this for literally hours and I (laughs) do, I would love to talk about this for hours. (laughs) to to save um your listeners a few hours i'll try to condense it um you know what we can do we can put the link to the um attachment book yeah in the podcast episode notes that that's a really good resource if they want to learn more about this definitely definitely so yeah I'll, and this is this is uh 100 uh scientific and, and from um psychology research this is not something that like i have created Um, It has been around since the 60s or 70s, developed by a psychologist named John Bowlby. So he basically decided that there are three attachment styles predominantly. Um, They are secure. Secure attachment is when you feel confident entering relationships. And again, when I say relationship, I mean romantic, friendship, work relationship, um, even the relationship with yourself, obviously with family members. Um, Secure attachment is you just feel, you feel good. You feel healthy. You feel like you can like you know, meet someone and not feel like they're going to break your heart and you don't feel like they're going to take away all of your independence. Can you it, tell me what that's like? Cause I don't have it. <laughs> it's just a feeling of security. And I don't think I need to define security. We all know what yeah. secure is, right? So the opposite of that is insecure attachment. And it kind of branches off into two different 
main types. And then there's a, there's another one that's like a little bit less common that you and I share. We're only 5% of the population that are a combination. And I'll get into that in a moment. But um, the two insecure attachment types are anxious. Some people call it ambivalent. And then the other one is called avoidant. As you described, an anxious attachment um, will predominantly be shown by a feeling of uh, holding on for dear life. So worried about uh, what's going to happen next, what has happened in the past, and um, just really worrying about um, you know the the person involved if they love you, um, if they're going to treat you well, if you deserve to be treated well. Just really being all consumed in the relationship and and needing a lot of reassurance and having a lot of needs, which we all do. Avoidant is a little different in that they crave independence. They crave freedom. When they enter relationships, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Is this person going to give me space? Am I going to be able to be my own human? Uh, they like to say that they keep love at an arm's length. Um, they really, really prefer to, um, to be their own person instead of entering relationships because uh, for them, it's just easier. It's easier to be on their own. The the third insecure attachment is uh, described as combination or anxious avoidant, and it's simply just you know someone that is kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, I think one one psychologist, Doctor uh, Diane Poole Heller, describes it as uh, disorganized, where you're kind of all over the place a little bit. Sometimes you respond with anxious, sometimes you respond with avoidant. And what I do want your listeners to uh, walk away with is that none of these are um, kind of like boxes that you put yourself entirely in. We all uh, have some tendencies that are in each of these categories. With one person, you might feel very secure. With someone else, you might feel a little bit more anxious or avoidant. You're, it's, it's a fluid continuum where it's, it's ever-changing and your base, your foundation that you are born with is secure attachment. It is within you. It's biologically imprinted on your brain. We just have to do a little bit of work sometimes to get back to that point. Um, and yeah, we'll link a book in the, in the show notes that can really go into to greater detail. Um, and I, again, can talk about this stuff forever. So hit me up on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> good at what she does. Um, you know when she's good at what she does because you go from feeling anxious when you start talking to her to secure when you finish the conversation. So yeah, you know that she's good at what she does. Um, but thank you for sharing that. I hope that's a little bit of educational info that our listeners can um, can take away and, and maybe use going forward, even if that's just a little something that helps them navigate what they're going through. So then these these podcast episodes, I'm realizing that they're just, they're going to be anything and everything. Like, I just love talking and having these conversations because we live in a world where we don't have enough real conversations. So, yeah. and I think it's important too, because like when I was growing up and, and I know that this will resonate with you and I was, I, I had a, a boyfriend um, from like what, 10th grade through um, like sophomore year of college. And Anna, I was a nervous wreck all the damn time. And I had no idea why I was just like, <laughs> I was like, you know, um, are, are we going to be together? Where is he? Does he love me? I was so worried and so insecure and anxious about, about, you know, the, 
the worth that that yeah. I had and 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 if I was worth sticking around for um if he was going to meet someone better if he was going to get sick of all of my needs uh if he was going to think I was too much and until I found attachment theory and attachment science and started reading about it and learning about ways that I can use the attachment system to my advantage I I felt helpless I felt like what's the point in entering relationships if I'm going to feel this way? And I really closed off and I didn't date anyone after that relationship ended for like, like eight years, I think. Um, because it just, it really made me kind of cynical about relationships. I was like, it's just not going to work because I'm too much. Mm. And I did this research and I did a lot of work and I realized that one, I'm not alone. There are 20% uh, of the population is anxious attachment. And um, these are these are things that are created from a very young age. My home environment created my insecure attachment system. My home environment. Yes. Made- you know, you know, what? I love this saying what you went through as a child is not your fault. However, it is entirely your responsibility to deal with so that you don't go forward and pass it on. And like even. I don't know. It kills me because I, there, I feel like even sometimes you feel like you're doing the work and it's like, yeah, yeah, I did the work. It's done. It never is like the work isn't over. Like if you ever get to a finish line in your growth of your growth, (laughs) like that, that you, you better check yourself because we can always be better. And I mean, for me, like, especially when I have kids, like I'm not going to cross that finish line before I have kids. I'm not going to finish cross that finish line once they're all grown up. Like mm-hmm. I want to be that best version. And yeah, what I went through as a child, a young adult, an adult, like it's not my fault. Um, it Life happens. However, it's entirely my responsibility to deal with or else I'm going to pass all of this trauma and um chaos down to my kids and that like that's been a huge to be honest when I made that realization of all of this going on in my life if I don't deal with this this is going to be my children like they they will be the ones sitting in therapy 25 years from now and it will be it it will have been my fault because I didn't do the work and that's been a huge motivator for me to get behind all of this because I will not let that happen to another child. I I won't, I won't let it. And that's, you know, if anybody wants to read more um, into and especially get like really nerd, nerdy on um, intergenerational trauma, Google mice and cherry blossom experiment, and your mind will be blown. Um, Trauma is passed down 100%. Something that happened to your parent if your parent grows up in a war zone, but you grow up in a very peaceful environment and your parent does not do work around their trauma, you will have PTSD symptoms and you will feel um, triggered by war zone situations, even though you never saw a day of war in your life. Yeah. It's and always passed down. I think to that point, like I had this conversation with someone recently, there's compassion and justification. And there's a line between the two that you cannot cross. Like you need the the whole, like, it's, it's not your fault, but it's your responsibility. Looking at parents um, from our generation up towards our parents and then grandparents, like 
looking at them like this is your fault like I'm going through this because of like that's that's not um productive but also justifying them not taking responsibility for what wasn't their fault but was their responsibility um that's huge because it, it like if if you're you can have compassion towards them by thinking okay what they went through as a child no it wasn't their fault however don't cross into using compassion as justification because it's still their responsibility to to work on and and not to point that finger at all like it's it's all of us right so if we're if we're growing up in a situation like this yes we deserve that compassion but we don't deserve justification for not doing the work and not taking the responsibility. And that's something that I think is a huge gray area that people really get confused. Like, oh, well, yeah, I dealt with this, but like they had their own problems. Like I get it. Like, Mm. no, like they had their own problems. Yes. But they shouldn't have um, not taken responsibility for what was theirs to take responsibility for. So that's something that I have really um, grown to be passionate about because I mean, and I'm not sitting back saying I don't have work to do. Like I have so much work to do, but it's just a realization that I've made that we really get mixed up in the mess of compassion and justification. And they are not the same. They very much are two different things. 100%. And you cannot go back and change the past, but you can own it. Mm -hmm. It happened and begin to make change so that your future does not look like you know, the, the parts of your present that you're unhappy with, you can really, really make small changes and see just huge impacts on future relationships, future self-talk. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the relationship that the relationship rather that I'm in now, holy moly, how different it is from, from that four year relationship in high school and college when I was just clueless about how my childhood had impacted my my present day. Now I'm aware of it and I have healthy conversations, mature conversations about attachment science. I I tell my partner, you know, uh, when I'm triggered, when I'm activated and when my insecure attachment system is acting out and 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 really really feeling unloved and unseen and unheard. And it's truly just little Maddie, you know, 10-year-old Maddie with the cops knocking on the door saying it's a domestic disturbance you know, that's who's scared. It's, it's not, it's not present Maddie. It is, it is, you know, that little girl that is just wanting to be nurtured and loved on. So being able to communicate that in my twenties and not having, as you said, having a family and, and just figuring it out, you know, in middle age that I need to do work. I feel so grateful that I, that I've had the opportunity to do this inner work and to uh, you know, have therapy and and go to support systems like Al-Anon um, and to have Grow Upward. Like it's it's a wonderful community to to find out who you are and what makes you tick and and how to find happiness and, and a sense of inner peace. And this is just the beginning. I have a feeling that you're going to go very far with it because seriously, it's something that so many people need. Mm. So many people. Um, well, I have loved this conversation, to be honest. I could talk all night, but I did make plans to go paddleboarding with a friend and I don't want to stand her up. So <laughs> it's so hot outside. So we're going to, we're going to escape outside, but I, I really have 
enjoyed this conversation. Um, every episode, I'm like, this has been my favorite. This has been my favorite. And this one has now again been my favorite. <laughs> so thank you for helping to make it like that. Um, if, yeah, so just as a, like a wrap up on that entire topic that we just covered, I am going to drop the link for Maddie's course, Grow Upward, and all of her information in the show notes. Um, feel free to go check her out. She, I'll, I'll show her Instagram handle um, and I'll drop that link to the attachment book as well. Yeah. Um, just so many good resources because if, if this resonated with you at all, I promise you that little sliver of something that resonated is something that will show up in your life in the future exponentially if you don't do that work on it right now. Um, the, the time is now and if not now, when, like, when, when are you going to wait to do that work until you have five kids and you're realizing that it's affecting them? Like to be proactive, um, be proactive and do that work. And Maddie will help you. Sure. And I have to offer like one very simple free piece of advice for your listeners that are interested mm -hmm. in, in healing, um, and especially doing the inner work. Don't do it on your own. Do not think that you can do this by yourself find a community, find an accountability partner, find friends that are interested. Mm -hmm. um, you need a support system. You need, you, you cannot just read about it and listen to podcasts and try your best. You need people behind you. You yeah. need people to lean on. Um, and that's honestly one of the biggest motivators for me in creating Grow Upward and the graduate community onward. We all need help. Uh, and we all crave a sense of belonging and, and that's what this community is. So don't do it on your own. <laughs> what I picture when you say that is when I work at a gym now, so this is probably just fresh in mind, but like yeah. when you're lifting really heavy weights, like squatting or bench pressing or whatever you do, um, you ask a spotter when that weight gets too heavy, because literally you're going to crush yourself and die. Like it's dangerous, right? Um, it, so it's like those, those signs that say caution, do not proceed alone or whatever. Um, seriously, take it, take what Maddie says seriously. It's true. It's like that weight, you're going to crumble under that weight if you don't have someone to open up to. And I've been there. Um, I have crumbled under the weight of everything too many times to count because I was taught to just shove it down. I was taught to not share. Um, and it takes a toll. I wound up in the hospital couple times ER for stress related things. It just, it might not show up in, um, in real time, but it will show up down the road. I promise you that. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, not to get really morbid and heavy here at the end, but okay, let's talk about something happy now. Um, I always end my episodes with something fun. So a little fun fact about Maddie is she has been road tripping from she lived in New York City at the beginning of COVID she lived there for like a couple months during COVID maybe longer than a couple months right? yeah we were there for like five years and the last three months were, were COVID in New York. okay um so since then they moved out and road tripped literally like from state to state across all the way to the east coast and now they're like tracking back and they're gonna be in Denver for a little bit but they've been doing that for what like 13 months now so I'm gonna ask her it, I've been like vicariously living through her travels because I just I love it um but what was your favorite place mm. actually let's do favorite 
and least favorite. And I think I know what least favorite is already. <laughs> if you follow Maddie on Instagram, you know too, because she shared very openly about her least favorite place. But what would be your favorite place so far and your least favorite place <laughs> and why? <laughs> I'm trying to scan the, the map of, of the United States right now because yeah, we started in New York, went all the way up to like Rhode Island, Maine, Vermont, did Acadia National Park, and then went through the middle of the country out to the West Coast. And now we're we're in Colorado again. So um, least favorite I know. Let me just get the get <laughs> Fresno, California. If oh my gosh, guys! Her talk. stories, her stories were priceless. I, didn't you have cockroaches or something? The Airbnb was infested um, with cockroaches. There was, you know, just I mean, we might have been in a bad part of Fresno. Maybe there's some really lovely parts of the city. <laughs> If you live in Fresno, I'm sorry, Maddie just picked a bad part. <laughs> we went there because it's like an hour and a half away from Sequoia and Yosemite National Parks. Uh, but yeah, we left after um, like five days and we were supposed to be there for 31. So um, luckily got a refund. But let's go to favorite. My favorite place that we went. <gasps> I'm going to go with arches national park i think it's just super fresh we were there last week um it's a national park in right outside of moab utah in southern utah one of the most beautiful places i've ever been um which is crazy for me because i grew up you know 10 minutes from the beach on a river i'm a water girl at heart and this is in the middle of the desert so it's that cool um go wow. to national park if you haven't been cool Okay. Well, thanks. At all costs. Next time I, I get some PTO, I'll have to get out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, thank you so much. Honestly, I can't thank you enough. I'm, and to all my listeners, just so you know, the people that are coming on these podcasts, they're doing it with their own time because they also just are that cool of people that they want to have these real conversations. So just know that we are here for you. We really want to bring um, community together and create this space where you're accepted, you're seen, you're heard, and you are perfectly you the way that you are. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I will stop trying to be philosophical and compatible morning, but um, thank you, Maddie, for coming tonight. I hope that you enjoy your stay in Denver, and I'm sure we'll talk soon. But to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in, and I'm sure Maddie will be on again in the future because she's just a super rad lady, and we could talk for hours. Thanks, love bug. Thanks for <laughs> All right. Have a good night. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you later. Yeah.